Uh, this morning, I'd like for us to turn our Bibles over to the book of James. And uh, I'm going to look into God's Word with you for a few moments and um, look at, at some things that you and I, as men and women of God, as Christians, uh, uh, obviously every single day, more than likely, uh, have to deal with. You know, in every war, a general understands that if they know the enemy, if they study their enemy, that's the key to winning the battle. The key is having accurate information about uh, the enemy that they're facing. I remember the movie uh, Patton, one of my favorite movies, and uh, General Patton was always a student of history, and he always studied, studied ancient warfare. And he studied the enemy that he was facing uh, during World War II. And because he was able to have insight into the characteristics and into the strategies of his opponent, uh, he was able to be one of the most successful tank commanders uh, in uh, our army. And for you and I, it's no difference because we are involved in warfare. It's called a spiritual warfare. And it's so critical and important that you and I, as Christians, know the tactics and the strategies uh, of the enemy that we face. We call him Satan. And uh, one of the tactics that uh, we will come up against that he loves to use against us is called temptation. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we understand that Paul is writing to the Ephesian church about spiritual warfare, strategies, demonic influences, and many of those uh, are linked with the temptations that we face. And so, uh, guys and, and gals, if we have uh, the video ready, I've got a short video I'd like for you to see. They kind of, it's on a, a person on the street, man on the street, woman on the street, ideas about temptation. If we have that, go ahead and get it going. Where do you think temptation comes from? I think it's a basic, fundamental element of human nature. <laughs> well, you're deep, man. <laughs> I don't have a clue. That's a good question. It's just, I mean, it's a basic survival desire, I think, in a lot of us. Um, desire for food, desire to reproduce. But in our society where everything's so accessible, you can kind of build up too much access to the things that tempt you. Tell me where you think temptation comes from. Where do I think it comes from? Oh, you want me to say Satan? <laughs> Tell me three things that people are really tempted with. Uh, money, greed, and sex. Money and power. Sex. Greed. Cheating, maybe. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Uh, fame, money, gender. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by gender? Um, sexual preferences. <laughs> What do you think are some of the things that people can do to effectively resist temptation? Oh, that's a hard question to ask. That's a hard question to answer. Um, 
me some ways we can effectively deal with temptation or should we even deal with it at all? <laughs> I think that it's up to each individual to decide what's important to them and and to set goals and standards for themselves. Deal with it is to, uh, I guess, avoid situations like you'd be tempted by. I don't know, like, not go to, like, if you're not into drugs, don't go to a place the drugs are going to be at and just don't get yourself in situations that you can't avoid. What do you think people can do to resist temptation? I pray. Where do you think temptation comes from? Um, willpower. Yeah, if, you, if you're not a strong mind individual, uh, temptation can definitely get the better of you. You've got to have a strong faith in God, too, you know, to override temptation. Where do you think temptation comes from? Um, I think people try and um, they're looking for something more or they have this desire that needs to be fulfilled and they see these things that they think will be able to fulfill that but so um, maybe to fill a void. So I know for a fact that everybody in this place can identify with this video, that at some point in our life, at some time, temptation will come uh, and try to set us up. And that's what I've entitled this uh, sermon, The Setup, because that's exactly what the devil does to you and I. He sets us up to things that appeal to our carnal nature and to our fleshly uh, desires. And in James chapter 1 in verse 13, James speaks and he gives us wisdom and understanding concerning temptation, the source of it, and uh, what, what we have to do to deal with it. He says this in chapter 1 in verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-growing, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And so James gives us wisdom and guidance concerning temptation. Each and every single one of us have to deal with temptation in our own specific ways because each and every single one of us are human and the enemy will try to strategize and set us up with those different temptations. Sometimes we can blame the devil. Sometimes, as James says, uh, it is our fleshly desires. So let's take a look at some of the issues regarding 
temptation. What is temptation? What exactly is it? I read a quote that I liked, and it said, it described it this way. Temptation is the intentional enticement of a person by some bait, usually pride, but always self-gratifying to disobey God's revealed word. That's, I think, a good definition. There is a bait involved, a trap or setup that's involved when uh, we are being tempted. And usually, it's always due for some self-gratification to make us feel good, and eventually it will draw us away from uh, God and His Word. You see, as we know, we're all going to face temptation at one time or another. But sin doesn't take place, as we read in the Word of God in James, until we accept the bait, until we accept the invitation to act upon that issue, that circumstance, or that thing. And when we act upon it and we begin to involve that in our lives, that's when the Bible says it gives birth to sin. And so as we read the Word of God, James starts off and he says, let's be clear, let there be no question about one thing before we even get in to the rest of the Word of God. When temptation comes, we need to understand that it's not coming from God. Okay? God does not tempt his people. God does not tempt you and I. He may allow us to go through different tests in our life, but God never tempts us. He is beyond that. In James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And so, as we look at temptation, I want you to think with me this morning about your specific life. Get your eyes off your neighbor. Boy, I know what tempts them. Get your, get your eyes off your wife or your husband. I know what they're tempted by. And let's put our eyes on ourselves and begin to self-examine uh, our lives so that we can uh, have some, some success in being able to repel the trap, the bait, the temptation that the enemy brings. Too many times we think of temptation and sin as a single act. But it's not. It's more of a process. Temp sin has a, a, a different stages that, that have to take place before it gives birth, as we read in the book of James. So what's the first uh, step? What's the first part of the process uh, that leads to sin when temptation is involved? James calls it desire. Say that word with me, desire. We all have desires, don't we? And a lot of those desires are not evil desires. Those desires are desires that God created us to have. And so when those desires begin to act out of the will of God and out of uh, the, 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 uh, the process of living right for God, that God intended those desires to be, then it begins to give birth 
to sin. In verse 14 it says, Each one is tempted by his own evil desire. So if we're going to win the battle over sin and be able to deal with temptation, then we need to realize, as, as I started off, know how our enemy works. Know ourselves. Don't, don't ignore your life. Don't ignore those things. Too, too many times we get comfortable with our, within our own flesh and our own skin, and, and we're not as vigilant or we're, we're not as aware as we should be about those things that we're vulnerable to, those areas in life that, that maybe we struggle with. So if we're going to win the battle, then we need to realize that the normal desires, as I mentioned, of life, God has given them to us, and they're not sinful in themselves. Food, how many know food is not a sin? Most everybody here loves food. You're going to love food this afternoon watching the Super Bowl, I guarantee you that. There is no one in this building I really don't believe is going to be fasting at the Super Bowl this afternoon. Why? Because food is involved. Chicken wings, you know, uh, pizza, and, and, and all that goes along with guacamole. How can you forget guacamole on, on Super Bowl Sunday, right? And so there's going to be food involved. Food is not a sin. And then after you eat all that food, guess what you're going to do? You're going to sleep, right? Sleep is not a sin. Everybody loves to sleep. We understand uh, that's a desire that we have. And then, well, I don't know about this. I'm maybe stepping out of line here, but, you know, hmm, sex is not a sin. It's not a sin. God gave us the desire for sex, for food, for sleep, etc., and so on. They're all normal functions that God created in us. But it's when we begin to satisfy some of these God-given desires or functions outside of the will of God and God's plan for our lives is that when we begin to get into trouble. And so we need to learn to harness those desires that God has given to us. Some that I didn't mention here uh, that I will get into later on. And so eating is normal. Can you say amen? But gluttony becomes sin. Sleep is normal. But laziness now becomes sin. Sex is honorable in the marriage bed between a husband uh, and his wife, uh, but yet becomes dishonorable outside uh, of the marriage relationship. Can someone say amen? amen? So we find that as we understand what James is saying, we have to deal with our desires. Everyone has them, and we have to learn to harness them. The first stage of temptation James says the second stage of temptation is enticement or deception. That when we begin to yield to those um, desires in an ungodly fashion, they now start to entice us or 
deceive us. In verse 14, each one is tempted by his own evil desire and is dragged away, dragged away, and enticed. Now the word for enticed means to be lured, to be attracted, or to be decoyed. Those of you that fish, those of you that hunt, you know what I'm talking about. There are lures, different types of lures that are used to catch different types of fish in different types of circumstances. Why do you use a lure? Simply because you want to deceive and entice the fish. Duck hunting, they use wooden ducks. Why? To entice and to draw in and drag away the ducks so they can come in and they can be shot. To catch them. They're used to deceive their prey. That's exactly what Satan does. That's exactly what Satan did to Adam and Eve. He did that to Eve in the garden. He tricked her. He deceived her. He enticed her with deception. How does that relate to you and I? That was Adam and Eve thousands of years ago. How does that relate to you and I? Well, it relates to you and I with the enticements and the deceptions and the lures that are, and the decoys that are used in today's society. Think about the TV programs and the movies that are made. What are they, what are they meant to do? What do they do? Well, they entice, they lure, they make extramarital affairs seem exciting, seem thrilling and something to do. But they never show the tragic results of broken hearts, broken marriages, and broken children. They deceive, they lure, they tempt. Oh, you know, that lifestyle looks like something I would like to do. I, I think I could get away with that. I think I could do something like that. And everybody seems to have a happy ending. But it's deception. It's a lure. It's a trap. It's enticement. It's what James is saying. What happens when those desires, that's why we have to harness those desires so we don't get to the deception stage. So we don't get to that point where now we're starting to listen and starting to be dragged away, as James said, by it or by them. I think about pornography. Seem to always make the people in, in, in those pornographic films look perfect. And they do that to make it look appealing to the flesh. They made what God intended to be holy and, and, and uh, righteous. They caused it to be perverted uh, and uh, wicked. My wife always tells me, you know, those, those people and those things are all airbrushed. They're all fixed up. But what they do is that they're lured. They, they use them to entice and to drag uh, either men or women, and sadly to say even children, away into that lifestyle. But they don't show you the tragedy that takes place and destruction uh, in marriages and relationships uh, that are, are, are just killed because of men and women uh, who are involved in those kinds of things. 
Think about the number of years over the years that Nancy and I have counseled couples because of this very issue and the destructiveness that it has. Believe me, it is not something that is harmless, but it is destructive. And it's made so easy to get into, and it's made so convenient to be able to watch. And sadly, people don't realize the lure, the seduction is another word, the enticement and the deception of what they're watching and how it's going to impact their minds, their thinking, and their families. Super Bowl. What are the major ads that are going to be showing? Of course, alcohol ads. They're going to make the lifestyle of drinking the cool new drinks, whatever they might be. They're using cool, popular people to walk on beaches, sit on beach chairs. It's a lifestyle, baby. What is that meant to do? It's meant to entice you. It's meant to get you into a place where now you become in bondage to those kinds of things, into alcohol, whatever beer commercials they're going to be showing. Why do they pay the millions and millions of dollars for those ads, even though nobody's going to be in the stadium? Because they know people are going to be watching at home. But they never show you the price that's paid, again, by broken homes, broken families, and uh, someone being killed by a drunk driver. They never show you those things. Why? Because it's deception. It's a lure. It's a decoy. These people picture their products in attractive ways to entice because the truth is that sin always deceives. Can someone say amen? Sin is always destructive. And I know we're not perfect people in here, and I know that we're all sinners saved by grace, but yet we don't have to go chasing after it. Believe me, it will come after you. And it'll come to entice. I'm talking about the setup Satan uses to draw us, drag us away from God's purpose and God's will for our lives. And that bait, that lure, is not only attracting, it appeals to the flesh, to the carnal desires that James speaks about but eventually brings pain and sorrow and brokenness. James says there's a third stage of temptation. That desire, that enticement leads to, and that's the stage that begins to give birth to sin, and it's called disobedience. James says, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Eventually, the process that moves us from our emotions or our desires to our earthly and fleshly understanding, deception, 
eventually leads us into disobedience. So in other words, when you look at the Word of God and we listen to God's truth that supposedly sets people free, you believe that this morning? You will know the truth and the truth will make you free? That's what God's Word says? That's what we believe God's Word does? When we look at God's Word, then what we need to understand is that in order to win and to live a victorious Christian life, to overcome temptation, to win those battles that we will face throughout our life as men and women of God, then it's going to have to be a matter of our will. Yielding to God's will. Let me say that again. It's going to have to be a matter of our will. Yielding or surrendering to God's will. Because it's when we hold back and we don't listen and we don't surrender and, and, and allow God's will to be done in our life when it comes to these enticements that we will face, these temptations that we will come up against in life in so many different forms that we heard about on this video. You heard that one guy say it's a person who doesn't have a strong mind or a strong will that is going to be more susceptible to temptation. Well, you know the good thing about for you and I as men and women of God is that God's Word gives us uh, the understanding that when we are created new creatures in Christ, uh, that now that we can have the mind of Christ, that now we can have the power of God willing in us to work through areas. In Luke 22 and verse 42, we read about Jesus in the garden when he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Here's the battle. Are we going to let God win during those times of temptation? Or are we going to yield? I saw, I was getting ready for the sermon this morning, and I was looking at different media, clips, etc. and there was one that was dealing with temptation. I almost brought it to show you. I'll use it again. But it's dealing with kids. Because how many kids know kids just forget temptation? They, they just give into it. And so what they, what they did was they put, they put uh, a child in the room with one marshmallow and set the marshmallow on a plate. And the, and the woman came in and said, look, here's a marshmallow. Don't touch it. And when I come back, I'll give you two. And they went through a bunch of different kids in this video, and all the kids were looking at it. And they picked it up, and they sniffed it. And, and they were just, Ugh. and it's cute when you see kids wrestling like, I want the marshmallow. When's this lady coming back? It was so good. And it's like you and I. That little, those, those kids were, were fighting their will versus uh, what that, their adult, that adult in the room told them not to do. Martin Luther said, we're not able to stop birds from flying around our heads, but we're able to stop them from building nests in our hair. And so basically temptation will always come 
Temptation will always be there. You walk out of this building, I guarantee you, temptation is going to want to come and set you up. But you don't have to let it take control in your life, in your mind, and destroy God's plan for you. Children operate on the basis of feelings. We as adults are supposed to be more mature than our children. Able to make decisions. And the more we exercise our will to say no to temptation, whatever that temptation is, when it comes against your life, a decisive no, not just no, Sissified, no. <laughs> but, uh, no! I'm not going to let that take me, set me up. And the more you do that decisively, the easier it's going to be able to do the next time it comes around. Yep, the enemy might bring around something different in a different form, but you still have already exercised your will to those things that, that go contrary to God to say a decisive, no, I am not going to yield myself to those things. You see, Philippians... Chapter 2 and verse 13 says, It is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. God's working in you, folks. Every single day, the Spirit of God is living in you and he's working in you to do his will and surrender God, not my will, as Jesus said to his Father, but yet your will. How do I avoid this setup quickly moving and closing this out? How do we avoid being set up? I know what I'm talking about. I know about setups. God's word gives us several strategies. Number one, submit and surrender to God. Submit your life, surrender totally to God. Don't be half submitted in your relationship with God. In James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. And he goes on and says, come close to God. So he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So get close to God. Forget being divided between the world and God. Get next to God all the way. Don't get close to the line. Temptation dies and is, is defeated when the strategies of the enemy's setup are unmasked. God will reveal those and give you the strength uh, to overcome them. Stay close to mature Christians is the next thing. Stay close to women and men and women of God 
who have experienced various temptations in their life, and maybe they're not perfect, but yet they're still here serving God, and they've been able to defeat those things that try to take them down. Because if you have close relationships with, with, with mature Christians and you can trust that they don't have leaky brains, you can share with them some of those things you go through and they can pray with you and they can, they can help you to overcome some things that they went through. You can ask them to pray for you. This is why Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 and 25 in, in, encourages us, admonishes us that we should not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but we should get together and consider how to move one another on toward love and good deeds. See, closing down the church during this uh, pandemic, it wasn't just the government doing it. It was a strategy of hell that was behind all of this to keep us apart to keep us separated from one another. Why? Because if the enemy knows we're not together, isolation, I guarantee you, brings vulnerability. And so temptation, we understand, as we gather together, can be overcome as we pray for one another. Get with the brothers and the sisters, and then learn to use the Word of God. Apply it to your life. See what God's word says about your circumstance, your situation. Because the more scripture you know, the more power you'll have in your life to overcome temptation like Jesus did when he was on the pinnacle. Defeated Satan at each point of temptation in his life with the word of God. Psalms 119. Verse 9 and verse 11. The question is asked, how can a young man or young woman keep their way pure? And the answer is, by living according to your word. And it goes on and says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide the Word of God in your heart. Study and read the Word of God so that when temptation comes, whatever that temptation is, you will be able to resist and defeat the enemy as we allow the Scripture to become a part of our thinking and become a part of our battle strategy to defeat the enemy's temptation and to harness this flesh when it has desires that are evil. And I close as our music group makes their way up this morning with 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is the cap. This, this is the cherry on the top for you and I this morning when it comes to temptation. Listen to what God's word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. 
I want you to say that. Repeat those three words with me. God is faithful. One more time. God is, one more time. To do what? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Hallelujah. See, I want to tell you that temptation, it may not disappear overnight. It might not go away within a few days, hours, maybe even a week or two, whatever. But God says he will make a way for you to endure that, to deal with it, to go through it, so that it will not overtake you. So then James says, as I close this out, Remember, temptation is a process. And the way to avoid the setup is to stop it before it comes and makes a nest in your mind. Let no man say when he is tempted that God is tempting because God cannot be tempted and tempts no one. As we bow our hearts this morning,